This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Welcome to this week's episode of the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. My name is Danny Baker and I am deputising for the wonderful Lee Finch this week, who unfortunately for you has gone away and buggered off on holiday. But for us, we get me, the master, master, master podcaster to take over and show you exactly how it's done. This week, I roamed Merton, I roamed Croydon, I roamed Sutton and I didn't think there's anyone worth speaking to. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go over to the States and see what they've got to say. So... A huge welcome to Dan Rutstein. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing very well indeed, thank you. Delighted to be on, Danny. And where the bloody hell are you in the world? So I am in incredibly sunny Los Angeles. So oh, wow. I, I am, obviously, my accent will betray the fact that I am a bit more local. I born in Epsom, went to school in Sutton. Um, oh, wow. What school? I was at Sutton Grammar. Oh, I was Wallet and Boys. We're local rivals. Yeah, the grammar school. Yeah. It, it wasn't quite as messy as other schools locally. I have to say the Sutton Grammar Wallington Derby was more um, pleasant, should we say, than some of the other ones. But and what brings you over to the states? So, I've been here. What I've been here nine years now. So um, at the moment, I came over. I used to be a diplomat for the British government, and I got posted out to Los Angeles, which is not a terrible place to be posted. Wow. Um, and I liked it so much, I decided that I wanted to stay here. Um, and currently, I am the uh, president of Orange County Soccer Club, who play oh, second tier of American soccer. And our only Wimbledon player, I've been... Harry Forrester, wasn't it? Harry Forrester. Oh, um, wow. That's amazing. How, how did that come about? Were you involved in the transfer? No, no. Unfortunately, I've only... I've, he left a year before... 
Um, and I've spent the last three years trying to... I'm not involved on the football side, so I run okay. the, the business side. But I keep trying to tell the guy, the president on the soccer side, that we should sign more Wimbledon players. Yeah, of um, course, yeah. I'd love, I'd love that link. Um, but no, Harry, uh, Harry left... I think the year before I arrived, unfortunately. So he was, I, I thought he was really good, you know. I thought he was a player that, I don't know if you know much about him as a player, but he showed sort of sort of flashes of brilliance. Real mercurial, great on the ball, could really do things, but just never had that consistency. But I don't know if you knew much about him as a player. Yeah, I mean, that's what they said about him. And obviously, he was at Rangers when they were on their way. You know, they were doing their version of obviously what Wimbledon have done. And they were yeah, working yeah. their way up from the from the bottom of their pyramid, which is only like five divisions, obviously, yeah. um, at least where they came back in. Uh, and he was involved sort of during promotion seasons for them. But yeah, out here, apparently, he did score some wonder goals. Uh, oh, really? He might have had a wonder sending off as well in quite an important game, which I don't think went down very, with people very well. But... Uh, yeah. So, and in the current squad, then open checkbook. One player from our current squad that you would want to entice over to Orange County. Who oh. is it, and why? That is a good question. Um, I probably would if Man City hadn't nabbed um, young, our young goalkeeper. Yes, by Brits. Yeah, probably him uh, because uh, his name would do particularly well, I think, in American soccer as oh, well. Very well. Uh, so what? So what? What do you make then of Wimbledon from afar? Obviously, you're working at a football club or a soccer club. If you like, forgive me for saying football, um, but in terms of from what you see from afar, what things have you kind of seen and thought that's amazing? What things have you thought? Do you know what? We're doing this really well in Orange County, and we're going to stick with it. What What you're learning? It's It's really interesting because you know I was a season ticket holder at Wimbledon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm old, so you know. From my Alan Cork was friends with a guy whose dad um, was a friend. Was Alan Cork was friends with the dad of? I think it was a granddad of one of the kids I played under eleven football for for Epsmanuel under elevens in. Oh wow! Okay. So that's how we got in, and I think our whole team got season tickets in the family enclosure. That sounds very Wimbledon-like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like they were like £35 for the season. Oh, fantastic. Um, you know, so, um, uh, you know, obviously I was around those days. And then I've basically been out of the country since the club went through what it's been through. Yeah. So I've popped back and seen, you know, every... I was At one stage, like basically every time I came back to see a game, the club had been promoted you know, three runs yeah. up the pyramid. Um, and obviously, I, I, I went to uh, Kings Meadow and my son was mascot for a pre-season game. And then I think I've been to maybe five games at Plough Lane. Oh, wow. Um, that's pretty good, though. Um, yeah, which is not bad, given it's a yeah. uh, thousand miles away. But um, so I'm I'm watching Wimbledon, not, you know, I'm not reading the, the local paper. I'm not listening to the local radio. I'm seeing it on social media. Um, and I'm, you know, watching the games where I can. Um, and obviously the whole emotion of Plough Lane has been extraordinary to see. I think my sense is we've been, the last couple of years, to an extent, we've got away with things as a club because of the Plough Lane story. So finishing, you know, was it dropping more than 20 points from winning positions? Yeah, that was terrible. You know, being effectively bottom of the form table for the second half of the season. They're the sort of things that fans 
lose their minds over. And obviously some of our fans, and I'm not, you know, I'm not walking into the Alexander and talking to fans every day about this stuff, but it's our fans are getting upset about these. Yeah, things. of course. Yeah. But there's always that sort of, yeah, but you can put at the end. Yeah, but we're, we're at plow lane. And I think that doesn't excuse it, but it certainly softens the blow because regardless of how bad we are, and obviously we, we took one relegation, we're still at the place we wanted to be. And what got us there was an emotional journey that no other football team can really understand. Yeah. But you can't live on that forever. Yeah, okay, and that's interesting. One relegation isn't great, but it's okay. But dropping out, you know, if we got the second relegation and ended up back in the conference, given how hard it is to, or the National League, given how hard it is to get back in again, there's no, I don't think we'll care about play lane at that point. Um, I think you're right. I think that's a real worry. I think that's one of the big things. Um, and it's quite astute you to notice that because one of the big things that everyone talks about, I think being in a football league club, I think is, is okay. I think most of the fans, don't get me wrong, we'd love to be in league one. And so, last year at times was, was pretty pathetic, but the, the fear of dropping out of the football league and, and some of the big clubs who have taken a long time to get back and are still trying to get back. You look at Oxford, you look at Luton, you look at, um, people like Notts County who have only just managed to get back in. Obviously, people like Wrexham. You also now need quite deep pockets. It's not just a question of the, of the of the infrastructure. So, yeah, I think that is a, a huge concern. Um, but from afar, how does the club look to you? How does it appeal to you as a, you know, for you to continue to come back and be engaged? What what are we doing well as a club to keep you in the loop? One of the big things about sport, and particularly now I work in sport, is Sport is about memory making. It's about a narrative. And there is no there is no story like the AFC Wimbledon story. And you now I take a sort of pride in the fact that over here, I'll meet somebody, they'll say, who are your EPL team? Because that's how Americans of talk. Course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I explain that it's an offensive question to an English person. You just ask them, who are your team? Because yeah. don't assume that you all support Premier League teams. Um, and then I explain I support AFC Wimbledon. And A, they don't remember when Wimbledon were in the first no, couple No, they of won't, years. yeah. Um, so I have to explain we're in the fourth division. Then I have to explain what divisions are and what promotion relegation is. Oh, that's, that's a long one, isn't it? I, I will tell that story ad nauseum because it's a great story and I'm, I would rather support a team with a story like ours, with a real connection to the club, than just, you know, like a lot of people here, they, you know, they support Real Madrid. They've never been there. They just support Real Madrid because they watch their games in the Champions yeah. League. It's fine. You know, America's on a different journey in terms of its story, but... You know, there's something special about our club. And once you've been involved in that, obviously, A, you can't just change teams because that's not how it works in England, even if it does a bit yeah. over here. Yeah. But we've got something so special about the club. And I think it's the little touch points that make all the difference for me trying to sort of remain engaged as a fan. So... Did the Americans know, get it, though, Dan? Like, the fact of... You know, as example, the Oakland Raiders could could have played in LA, they played in Vegas, or whatever you want to do it. Do, do do people genuinely get the strain, the trial, the tribulation of the franchise 
the whole Milton Keynes thing? Because obviously out there, it's it's relatively, I wouldn't say it's, well, I think it is quite common, not en masse, but particular places and people, you know, Louis went to the LA and all this sort of nonsense. But do, do fans proper, does it annoy people when that happens out there? Is it a big yeah, problem? It, it does because, you know, if you're a national fan of the team, yeah. it doesn't matter to you whether they're, you know, the, LA Raiders or the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders, but the people in the town that got left behind, yeah, like the people of Montreal are still upset that they lost their baseball team. Yeah, you know, the people in St. Louis are furious about losing their American football team. So I think you know, at a, at a human level, they they do understand it, and I think yeah. we, you know, I have to explain the whole story about it, but I, th I think it, it's the. It's the relationships that you can have with a club that make the difference. So yeah. kids are members of the junior dons. And when they get they get the birthday cards that are signed by the players, it's and I, I talk to my friends over here, if you're if you're a member of the Arsenal supporters club and you live in LA, maybe your kid gets a birthday card from Arsenal. And it what it probably is, is the scanned signatures. Of course, yeah, yeah to a birthday card like these are the men's and the women's team they're passing you know my son and my daughter's birthday card around the dressing room and these people are signing it now my son and my daughter may not know exactly who all of the players are but yeah. the fact that there's that level of connection and i think that's what keeps you coming back as a fan and it's the yeah. memories you know i flew back for 36 hours for our trip to wembley when we beat plymouth and you know, we still I still talk about that with my friends because that's what real football fans do. And if you're, you know, if you're a fan of, I've got a friend out here and uh, he's a Brentford fan. And even for him, like he hasn't been back for all the playoff trips. Um, and if you're a fan of a bigger team, do you go back for FA Cup semi-finals? You know, it's just they yeah, go to yeah. like four times a year. And I think there's just something so special about our sort of successful, but also not successful club that makes it, a real club. I think one of the, the the big word I always say with Wimbledon is access. I find that fans can access all areas of the club relatively quickly. You know, if yeah. you wanted to go and have a chat with Johnny Jackson, it, it, you 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 know, there's a meeting manager on Thursday. It's not particularly difficult to access them players. Likewise, you know, in the old days, you know, I used to remember I watched a little bit of Plough Lane. I was pushed at the front on the side with my dad. But in general, I'd go to Sellers Park and if I wanted my, if they're called signature book now, but an autograph book, you could kind of get some signatures now. But back, but now if you look at the more elite level with the headphones in and the culture, it's so much more difficult to get to get that access which is why I feel like I mean I'm a big cricket fan and obviously just watching the, the the Ashes result today the players are so close to the outfield and they interact with each other and they're signing things in between balls I just feel that one of the big things and I don't know whether it translates I don't know if it's if Americans kind of can get it but Wimbledon have this thing where the people that they're looking up to they're quite close to each other and you can almost touch them and high five and hi how are you and there's like people can get to know each other on first name terms you know, Bakaya Saka or Harry Kane, you just don't have that. You just don't have that level of connectivity. And I feel that that's something which is so strong. But I just I don't I just don't know whether that message or that feeling gets carried over. But from what you're saying, fans abroad kind of get that. Yeah, no, I think they do. And I think there's two things. there. So first of all, for me as a fan, so um, I was friends with Ivor. Um, okay. 
legendary commercial director. Um, I see. I had him on one of my podcasts uh, last season. Um, but when I wanted to bring my son to his first ever game, so it was Burton Albion in a pre-season when we were back at the old ground, and I called up Ivan and I said, "Look, I want to do a match sponsorship," and we sponsored the match. So the match Amazing. day sponsor was. Isaac Rutstein was my son. Name on the front of the programme. We went oh, in, lovely. met Neil Ardley, went in the dressing room, took pictures of all the players. Him and my godson were out on the field before the game. Um, and then after the game, you know, we did all the man of the match stuff. And the proximity that, that you know, we felt so close to the club. And frankly, the co- I mean, I, I think I paid £1,000. Um, now, you can't buy that at these big clubs because sponsors have taken some of those yeah. spots and all that stuff. But for me, for his first ever game, we as a family still talk about that. A lot of our friends came along, my parents came. It was so special. And I think that is the thing, as you say, it's that access. Like he felt part of the team. He was, he got his little Wimbledon kit, he was out on the field. Oh, lovely. Even though now, you know, he's a bit older, we live further away, he's a goalkeeper. He's got, we've both, I'm a goalkeeper as well. We've both got all three goalkeepers' kits. Not this year's ones yet. We've got, you know, the ones from last year. Yeah, so yeah I nice. To, when I come back at Christmas, I'll buy them. But um, we've got that access and that proximity. And it's so special. And at Orange County, we talk about this quite a lot. The difference between our league and the MLS, the league above, particularly now Messi's arrived. Yeah. It's, become, it's like the Premier League in terms of that. There's no chance of getting near. At our place, the... The players after the game wander past the fans. They stop and take pictures. You know, the fans give yeah, them their nice. they do it. A couple of the young lads who are quite good are coached by our players on their sort of off days. Okay. Um, and I think that just brings people together in a different way. And I think even if we go back to the Premier League, and I don't know if we will, and I'm not sure even if we want to in some yeah. ways, I feel like we would still be the same Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that is the difference, is that we're a family community club, regardless of what happens. And that's what makes us special. And I think that's our story around the world and why John Green loves us. Yeah. Um, and why Wimbledon have got Football Manager as a sponsor uh, instead of you know a local, local building or a roofing company. Yeah, John Deere or whatever. Yeah. League two. yeah, so... And, do, and do, is there is there a is there a swelling of international support from you? I mean, obviously, your I presume your nearest team, or LA Galaxy, is it LA Galaxy? Is that your nearest yeah, one? Yeah, LAFC and LA Galaxy are you know the same sort of thing. Okay, and is there like a? I mean, is our story? Do people are people aware of that? I mean, if you were going along and you know the average Joe, I guess probably not, but people who you chat to, you know, who are in the football community, is our story known? Do people? Are they interested or is it just, yeah, whatever? Um, I'd like to say that it's known. I don't think, I mean, there's pockets where it's known. So John Green has done an extraordinary job of telling our story in America um, to a, you know, a a wide group of people. But yeah, your, your average American, even the ones who understand the pyramid structure probably don't know the full Wimbledon story. So I think there's more to do, but we've got, we definitely punch above our weight. Um, now, obviously, that's all been pretty much washed away by the whole Wrexham stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask about that. That must be yeah. bonkers out there now, isn't it? It is bonkers. I mean, everyone knows about Wrexham because of the way it's done. And 
you know, you there are in England. I, I guess people are watching this documentary, but over here, people who don't watch soccer are watching the documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they might know three football teams, and it's like Man United, Barcelona, and Wrexham. Um, if they don't know anything about football, and that's the power of it. And they've just done their tour here, and Wrexham played Man United. That's right. Uh, and it was almost a sellout. And a few days later, San Diego, who are in our league, played Dortmund, who were on their pre-season tour. And there was about fifteen to 20,000 people fewer in the wow. stadium. Because the Wrexham, you know, Wrexham versus Man United's kids is more compelling than Dortmund's pretty much their first team against the local San Diego and team. And in a fortnight's time, it's, it's Wrexham AFC Wimbledon. Yeah, which AFC is AFC Wimbledon. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the it's the John Green Ryan Reynolds derby because as you probably know, Ryan Reynolds called John Green and asked him for advice about. I didn't know this. Oh no, yeah. no, he he was on the documentary, wasn't he? Yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, so I mean, Ryan was on John. I I know John a little bit. Um, okay. He's he's been on one of my football podcasts as well. But um, I was listening to one of his podcasts and I had Ryan on, and basically Ryan called him up and said, "I'm thinking of buying a team. Like, what advice would you give me?" So they they are friends. Um, and he gave him some advice. I don't think his advice was, please buy our best striker. <laughs> yeah. um, please do um, that and relegate us in the same season. That would be excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I think it's really interesting that that's, you know, one of our earliest games. And it's good for our club to get that exposure in a way. Like, Wrexham will be good for American visibility in our league. And I think the John Green story means of all the games Wrexham play this year, uh, in our league, probably that one might get the most coverage because there's a, an angle for the Americans that's sort of native for them. So I think, it, you know, it's I know it's a little bit divisive, but I think Wrexham's whole thing is, is it's, I mean, it's good for us at Orange County. It's good for soccer in America. And it, I think it's good, it's good for Wimbledon. Well, we're going to have a little breather. And when we come back, we'll talk about all the good things that have been going on the pitch, maybe some of our players and your hopes and expectations for the next season in a bit. We'll see you shortly. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Good. 
And we're back. Welcome back, chaps and ladies and gents and everybody else who are listening in. Um, we've had a great conversation just about how, obviously how massive AFC Wimbledon are going to become, particularly in the Orange County area after this podcast. Um, but I want to ask you now, Dan, obviously AFC Wimbledon, brand new season. Just sum up your emotions from last season before we go into this year. Obviously, I know you're quite distant, but from afar, how did you feel last season went? Where 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 are we at at the minute as a club, do you think? It, it's interesting. Obviously, the, the way we finished the year in terms of the performances was not great. Slash, um, slash horrific, yeah. <laughs> you know, if the season had been, what, two games longer, yeah. we would definitely have been relegated. We'd be in a world of trouble. And how... The manager survived. Now, I'm not saying necessarily we should get him, but you know. No, I was going to ask you, where do you sit with the manager? You know, from the outside, um, managers get fired for a lot less. Now, obviously, Wimbledon are different as a club. Yeah. And I think we, and some of it is because so many of our managers have been former players. Yeah, we love that. We, I think we pride ourselves. It's all part of this sort of what we were talking about in the in the first segment about this sort of community club. I don't, you know, we're not sort of overseas ownership. You've got five games to, and if you don't win them all, we're going to fire you. Like, that's not how we do things. So it's very Wimbledon of us to not ditch the manager. Yeah. The results definitely deserved a new manager. Yeah. But... Now, I think you look at, I, I, there was some amazing statistic around player injury minutes, yes. which, you know, it looks like an excuse and it sort of is an excuse, but it is yeah. also what happened. Yeah. But, you know, speaking as somebody who, we, we fired two managers in the last three years and in America, they don't really fire people during the season. You normally wait. No, you normally, in the NFL, you have the big Monday where everyone just, yeah, yeah. everyone goes on one go, don't you? Yeah, yeah, Black Monday, and we Black Monday. we fired we fired our coach two years ago in the middle of the year, and our, our interim coach won us the national championship, and then this year, halfway through the year, we fired that same coach um, wow. and, and brought in a new one, which is very very un-American in the way they do that. But you know, I guess there is there is an argument that. It's work, you know. The, we didn't get rid of him, and maybe you know the, it's for contractual reasons that it's going to be too expensive to get rid of him. Maybe it's just they genuinely wanted to give him time and a full transfer window. You know, a whole yeah. summer to do this. Um, so, I mean, I mean, how done. long? How long do you give a manager though? I mean, you're you obviously come from someone who looks like you're involved with the with the ins and outs of a of a whole club. I mean, if you were Wimbledon and you've gone the whole season, you've clearly seen a very big downturn. And as you said, there are mitigating factors. We've had injuries. We've lost arguably our best player in a sal. Um, we have had difficulties with playing against good teams and lone players, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact remains is that we went on a very, very big downward trajectory to the point where the f I always find that once the fans get toxic, it's very, very difficult to come back. And Wimbledon fans in particular, I think are pretty good, but, Going to some of the games last year, one in particular where we were getting hammered and it was just horrendous to watch. I mean, it's such a difficult one because if you're going to back him, you can't then just sack him after six games. But at the same point, where there has to be a cut-off point. It just seems to me that the manager is under so much pressure from ball one. But how long, I mean, how long would you give a manager? And it's interesting because obviously now I know a lot more 
not about Wimbledon necessarily, but now I run a club. There's, you know, the considerations that go into it to do with contracts, who the alternatives might be. You know, it's not as simple as fans don't like manager, manager needs to go. Like it's, it's, it's more complex than that. I mean, I mean, I'll tell the story of our club. So, um, Chap called Richard Richard Chaplow played in the Premier yeah, League. Yeah, no, and the ball guy so, for Burnley, yeah. Burnley, Southampton. Good player. So he played for us. He was um, our captain, and then he became our assistant coach. And two years ago, uh, we were outside the playoff positions, um, and we fired our manager, and he was promoted to the manager, and he had half a season, and we won our national championship, and it was all incredible. The following year, we finished bottom of the league. And there was a question, which is, you know, do you let the manager go? And, you know, the football fans are not quite as uh, sort of, they're not as well steeped in sort of how football works over here. And the was, well, you know, finishing bottom league is not great, but this is the man who won us the league before. So what do we do? And was we, we, you know, he stayed now. And do you have promotion relegation? We do not have promotion. Ah, okay. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, right. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, but a third of the way through this current year, we were not winning. And he was indeed at that stage let go. And the assistants come in. And now we've won, uh, I think it's six of the last eight. And now we're back in the playoff spots. So we got the new manager bounce thing yeah. effectively for the second time. Um, and there is a question, you know, should the, should the club have got rid of him at the, at the end of the year? Or do you give him the beginning of the next season to see? Now, yeah. in this case, it didn't work. But for Wimbledon, you know, we're unbeaten in pre-season. Now, pre-season is pre-season, but it's one of those, like, everyone will be right in hindsight. So, of course, if, yeah. you know, 10 games this year, if we're bottom of the league and they end up firing the manager, everyone will say, well, you know, we should have done this um, yeah. in the season Obviously, if we have a good year, whatever a good year looks like, uh, and everyone will be like, well, of course we were right to give the manager that extra time. Otherwise, we wouldn't be where we were. So... I'm a bit on the fence. I think that at the end of the day, it is what it is. And we as a club, I think just because Wimbledon are different, we should, if they've decided for reasons that we may, as fans, may or not have understood, if he's our manager, let's back the manager. And until we are bottom of the league and are giving away points from winning positions and all that sort of stuff, let's trust the club. And if they're wrong, they'll hear about it from us. Yeah, yeah. Then... I think that's the, to be honest with you. I think that's the way to go. It is difficult because obviously, having watched it last year and seen it, there were so many permeating factors that all going through it. We thought, oh, if only that happened, or we lost all the loan players and blah 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 blah. So, with that in mind, then obviously, and I know you may not go as much, but you're still involved with the club. What what is our um our what is what is success? What is that going to be for us this year? So. I remember talking to a friend, I think it was when we first got promoted to League Two, and he said, what do you, he's a Bradford City fan, so he understands lower league football. Um, and uh, he said, like, what are you hoping to achieve this year? And I said, four from bottom is fine, um, because we just needed to sort of get Plough Lane built and still be a football league club at yeah. the time. Um, and, you know, we didn't quite finish four from bottom, but, you know, in the sort of, wages we pay league we're in the relegation spots yeah so yeah you're right so four from bottom was sort of fine i think this year the you know we've got the ground um we i think anything in the top half of the table is a success this year um so i don't want us to you know it 
the four from bottom thing, you can't live off that forever. Um, but I'm, I, I'm not sure we want to get promoted. Uh, I mean, obviously, we always want to get promoted. But, you know, after the two years we've been through, three years now, yep. you know, I don't know if we want to sort of be shooting up because we'll probably shoot straight back down again. I think there's a lot off the field that club needs to grow a bit more organically in terms of some of the partnership stuff before we want to throw a load of money at the players. I think if we can finish in the top half of the table, not be worrying about relegation at any point from sort of October onwards, and you know the cup, the what well, the cups, not not the Papa John's trophy, but um, you know just give the fans a chance to beat West Ham again. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. You know, uh, frankly, that's where we are as a club now. You know, we're not Wrexham need to get promoted every year, otherwise people are gonna lose interest. I think our fans will be happy with not being beaten every week and a fun cup run. You know, we we gotta stop losing to uh Boreham Wood. Boreham Wood, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, That'd be know, amazing. That's, that's the thing about the cup, isn't it? Obviously, you know, as a club, no club has benefited more from you know, cups than our club, frankly. Definitely. In terms of obviously our run. Um but you know, the further you go up the pyramid, the less fun the cups are until the later rounds, because we have to contend with potentially teams, not just the conference, but, you know, potentially a couple of divisions below who could play us in the in the first or second round. But I think top half of the table and I don't care which cup and FA Cup's more important, but we've had some fun in the Carabao Cup. So yeah, give us yeah, a yeah. um And I think that would be enough for me. I, Although I'm not there every week, so I'm not sitting through the performances in the way that you guys are. So, what what, what does success look like for you, Danny? Do you think? Oh, that is the it's the question of questions, Dan, and it's the question that we talk about constantly. For for what it's worth, in my in my heart of hearts, I think I think success is a being better than last year, b having a set of players that are Wimbledon if that makes sense. And that sounds a bit corny, but people who are frank, I'm like a lot of fans. I don't necessarily care about winning, losing, drawing, but what I do need to see is some fans getting behind a a group of players that I can recognize, if that makes sense. I think that's, that's the really, really big thing for me is, is at, at the moment, I don't necessarily have a huge amount of, I just don't, I don't recognize the team. And I think that's where I'd like us to be. I'd like to be at a point where I feel like, yes, this is the team. I can identify that we are playing in a particular way. I still don't know how we how we play. Do we get the ball wide? Do we get loads of crosses? But we don't get loads of crosses in the box because we only have one up front. We're not hard to beat. We're not big on set pieces. We just don't know what we are. And I think for me, success is not necessarily where we finish, it's can I have some identity? Can I have a football culture? And I think with a new director of football or, or a new head of recruitment, if you like, I think we finally got someone who can give us give us a bit of direction, if that makes sense, and give us a little bit of this is how we're going to play, this is what a Wimbledon player looks like, and this is how we're going to go about it. But from... from I feel like a club of, with our stadium, of our fans, et cetera, et cetera, we should be aspiring to be in the top in the top 10. That's where we should be aspiring to every single year with the idea you get that great bit of recruitment and all of a sudden you're up into 
League One and you can be happy as Larry. Because I think League One's a really good league. I think League Two this year is going to be super competitive. Hence the reason why I feel we're going to probably finish, I would say, around the 14th to 16th. I don't think we're going to get relegated. I think there's a couple of teams who look terrible. But I think Wrexham will go right the way through. I think Notts County could go all the way through. And there are quite a few big clubs with pockets who are going to spend. Stockport, Salford potentially. Mansfield have always picked up some decent players. So I guess that's kind of where where I am, but I'm very different. Some people expect to be successful and expect to win. I'm not, I'm not there, but from a, from a recruitment point of view, from what you've seen, have you, is there any, any, any notable, any notable kind of players that have come in or you've been excited about or anything in particular that you feel like there's real, real room for optimism this year? So I think, I think three things for me on that. Um, I think, Bringing back a player that everyone loves, I think, yeah. you know, to your point about them being Wimbledon players, you know, I think regardless of ability, I think that's the transfer that we've all been most excited about. Yeah, um, definitely. Because I think, you know, that is, that is part of it. I mean, he was um, magnificent at the game that you went to, obviously. You know, yeah. he was, he was and, terrific. And then I think the second thing, the loan thing's really interesting. So... I think two years ago, it sort of broadly worked for us, the sort of getting players from a team uh, in the Premier League in terms of recruitment. I mean, We, we loved at, it, didn't we? We were looking at Premier League, give us anyone from a particular league. Yeah. And so, Aaron Ramsdale is a great example of that working perfectly. Oh, he's incredible. Um, you know, what, he's, what he did for us, what he's now gone on to do, the fact that he still comes and like hangs out with our fans, like that's the model. What happened to us last year, and I know some of it was bad luck, but players being loaned to us and then not getting into the Wimbledon spirit yeah. and then being recalled en masse mid-season, like that's the flip side of that, of that thing. And the fact that we don't seem to be as reliant on those sorts of players all from Definitely. the same I think it just feels better as a model. Um, and then it's it's tricky at this level. Um, I, I, I hope this is taken the right way. So if you're a supporter of a Premier League team and they're talking about we're going to sign this player and that player, you instantly know who these people are. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly where you're going, yeah. You know, at our level, um, and... It's harder for me. And there are people who know as much about League Two players as they do about Champions League players. Maybe they pride themselves on knowing more. But from my point of view, if we sign some lad from Mansfield Town, I mean, I'm not watching Mansfield games. I, you know, I don't watch EF, EFL highlights. Totally I know, agree. I don't know who anyone is, basically, until yeah. they turn up. Unless I've, you know, unless it's a name you've heard of. And there's not, frankly, we're not getting many players you've heard of. No. So there's an element of... You know, I know how scouting works and I know what they're looking for, but actually, frankly, you know, getting a player from Sutton United and getting a player from Mansfield and getting the Sunderland third goalkeeper on yeah. like they're probably very sensible decisions based on, you know, a sporting director who really does know it. But as a, you know, I'm a diehard fan in some sense, but equally, I, you know, I don't live and breathe League Two and conference football to the point where I know who these people are. So... I'll tell you if they could sign things after half a dozen yeah. games. I think that's um, the thing. I don't know if it's similar with, with you over in Orange County, but the, the 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 players, you see so many players who it just didn't work at a club. 
it just didn't work out. And you, I mean, there was a guy last year, for instance, a Carlisle, Christian Dennis. He's a journeyman. He's been around a bit, played different clubs. Last year, scored absolutely bundles of goals. And the, each player is almost after that one good year. We had, not in the same way, but we had like the, like a Piggott type who everywhere he's been at, he's been okay, maybe a bit below par, comes to Wimbledon as a great, great, great two, three years, almost finds his way at that one club, goes somewhere else, not particularly good, goes somewhere else, not particularly good. And I feel like we've kind of, I think it's quite hard to identify those players like you know we've got bugle from sutton a guy from um rochdale we've got you know like you said you've got guys from all over the place guy from forest green who played last year armani little but it, it can it can just click in particular places and i thought i yeah. find particularly i don't know if it's the same over there but i thought i feel that geography is a huge thing i feel that having we had a player james hansen you may have remembered a really tall guy yeah. he just it just didn't work he was a great player for bradford really strong physical he, he just he just couldn't he didn't didn't locate to London particularly well, and hence why we always had the Gillingham players or the guys who played from Crawley, and you kind of work around that network. Um, is it quite similar over over where you are? Is it quite regionalised, or is it a case of open season, come wherever? Well, it's it's a bit open season. I think I mean to, to, to that point. I think you know that is the thing, and like I say, this is no disrespect to this level of football, but you know these are not household names because if they were, they wouldn't be playing for us. Um, and it's interesting, when the closest we got to a household name, Chris Gunter, like he went to the yeah. World Cup. When was yeah. the last time Wimbledon had a player at a, you know, uh, an active international at a World Cup? We've had people playing World Cup qualifiers for Montserrat, yeah, but of course, yeah. you know, we haven't had someone at a World Cup. That did not go well. Um, you know, he <laughs> didn't definitely didn't go well, no. And it definitely ended terribly, you know. Um, so... Arguably, maybe that was part of the issue. You know, too many Premier League loan players and, and one sort of like circus signing. And actually, we're better off with, as you say, the bloke from Rotterdam, the bloke from Sutton United. Because it just, you never quite know what is going to, what is going to click. And, you know, we have it at our club in our league. Um, you know, we signed a guy who was in Real Madrid's reserve team. He was a Finnish player. He came out here and... On paper, he was going to be incredible. He played a couple of times for Finland under twenty-one. I mean, he could barely. Like, yes, he get him in. He was. Oh, his his brother's an NBA all-star, but he was not great um, oh, wow. for us. And, and he's a good player. It just didn't. It didn't work. But we've had. We hired a, We we signed a lad um, from the, the league below, and he scored a bucket ton of goals. He was MVP in the in the final when we won the championship. We ended up selling him to a. A Swedish Premier League team, and um, you know, you just, as you say, at this level, sometimes it's you don't know. There's other factors at this level of football. Uh, you know, it's family stuff, it's geography. You just yeah. don't quite know where they are, and it is. This is where it comes down to good recruitment and good management. Like, obviously, Pep is an amazing manager, but he's signing. He's so he's so coach he's so good at finding coachable players as well yeah. and particularly yeah. in our level as you know you'd, you you were kind of all going around the merry-go-rounds of different players and different managers but coachability being able to be coached is so important and i find that that's what we've kind of looked for we've looked for players and again we had it a little bit with robbo as i'm sure you know about we want the right kind of people using certain language and he's right we are looking for a particular character but i'm i'm certain on that radar would be are these players, can we coach them properly? 
And can yeah. we? And again, to be blunt, and it might be the same at, 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 um, at Orange County as it is with Wimbledon. We have to buy players or get players who have got some sort of sell-on. We we can't. We yeah. have, aren't. We're in the market, frankly, of getting a player who is free. I mean, all of our players have been free pretty much, bar. I think I think all of them are free actually, apart from the guy, a young lad from uh, McLean from Hereford. Everyone's been free. We've got to get to a point where we get them to a level where we can earn some money out of them. And if we can each player earn, you know, wipe our, you know, wash our hands of all of them and earn a bit, earn a few bob. But as you know, we've lead to a lot of it is all freebies. It's almost like a well, we don't want him. We've had him for two years. You better have him. Well, we don't want him. You better go. There's such a big merry-go-round. But I'm hoping. I just hope that I feel like this year in particular, as you know, you said earlier. I don't know if you've watched much about the recruitment, but the actual number of players on loan has been quite low compared to what yeah. we normally do. And maybe yeah. what we're looking at is building for, I don't know, a couple of years rather than the one. But let's go, let's talk quickly then. I know we've got not a lot of time. So let's quickly go on to Saturday. You've got Grimsby and then we've obviously got Coventry. For you, which one's the bigger game? The starting the yeah. season, first game of the season, getting out of the blocks well, or is it can we beat Coventry and potentially have a half-decent fixture where would you if you've got a fit a a fitness situation where are you putting your players it's a great question of course it is Um, that's one here uh you know grimsby a fascinating team i've got weirdly a couple of very good friends of mine are big grimsby fans all right uh, they carry like the big haddocks isn't it (laughs) yeah they do and uh i don't know if you there was a tv show called man versus food if you remember yeah 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 so weirdly, um, Adam Richmond, the guy who yeah, uh, he's brilliant, yeah. that, um, he's a part owner of Grimsby Town. In a Is ridiculous he really? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's a weird. He, I, had him on, I had him on one of my podcasts the other day. Oh, and, he's uh, a brilliant bloke. And they, re- they replaced yeah. him with some ginger guy. And we were like, oh, no. He's he a great bloke. It was so good. There was all these rumours that he died at some point, which he didn't. He just oh, stopped yeah. eating <laughs> lots of food, which he might have killed him if he had continued. But um, I, I don't know. I think in a normal year, you know, you always want to say you want to win every game, but in a normal year, I feel like just because we we've had a pretty rubbish performance in the cups of late. Yeah, because we had a couple of good years. You know, obviously the West Ham stuff. We played Spurs. We've had some good results, but I feel like the last couple of years it's just been a bit of a damp squib. Yeah, um, and I think a cup could be great, but just because of the way last year ended, and not just in terms of our league position, but the fact that you know. The, the complete collapse. Yeah, absolutely. The slide, yeah. If if we have a bad start, and it doesn't mean, like, if we lose 1-0, that's fine. But if we have a performance where, like, players aren't trying, or we got, you know, we we, we give away a lead, that sort of stuff, I, I worry it will set the tone for the year and, you know, the manager will start feeling under pressure and I don't want that. So I guess... I think the game has more importance as a first game just because of what happened the way the year ended. And, yeah. But I guess I'd probably choose the cup over the league. At the, yeah. at the end of the year, I would have been more pleased to beat Coventry than Grimsby. But I think how everyone's going to feel at 4.45 on Saturday, I, I think everyone at Wimbledon needs... A, I think a draw will be fine, but just a good performance. Yeah. So we sort of wash last year away and prove that the pre-season victories have some relevance or meaning. Yeah, I think I think for me, momentum. I've always been. I'm a I'm a 
I'm a games teacher, to be blunt, at, at home. And I talk to a lot of the boys about, it's not about winning or losing, but you want to feel like you're gaining momentum. You're gaining, yeah. you're growing, you're moving forward. You find a way. And once, you know, we get to cut games, etc., you find out, you learn. And then you, you know, when it, when the time comes, you can get to that point where all of that, those le- little nuggets of learning leads you to a particular apex. It could be a cup competition. It could be playing your rivals, or it could be just the fact that you're playing and executing a particular difficult drill, if you like. And I just feel with us that having had a really good pre-season, having had the new director of football, the, the director of recruitment, obviously we've got, you know, new podcasts and everything else coming out. There seems to be quite a lot of energy and 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 fair play to the club. I mean, I know people can be critical of Wimbledon and AFC Wimbledon at times, but you know, everyone is there for the right reason. It is a community club, and people are trying to create some energy. It would be rubbish to go to Grimsby. The weather here is not particularly great anyway. Go in there on a rubbish day. It's a rubbish journey anyway up to Lincolnshire, particularly in Grimsby. Yeah. And then to turn up, lose two 0 against a team who are probably going to be mid table-ish. They've obviously got a few players, so do we. But if we went there, didn't really turn up, you lose two 0 and then all of a sudden the Coventry the Coventry game can become so much bigger. Whereas if you beat Grimsby, the Coventry game is isn't quite as important. But yeah, yeah it's a tricky one. It is, and like it's interesting, you know. And I, I'm a keen observer of this stuff off the field because it's what I do for a living. So I like I look for best practice in lots of places, and we've copied some of the things Wimbledon have done really well. But like, there's some good off the field stuff. I love all the kits, frankly. Yeah, um, all, the, all the new kits, the goalkeepers' kit, the you know all, all free kit. I just I like the thought that's gone into them. The sort of it feels like they're trying to sort of create something with the kits you know it's not just here's a new kit uh, i know some of it is because you have to when you change brand but like they've sent a statement out of like here's some kits you can all buy and they're actually quite nice not yeah, just I agree, yeah. which you're going to buy regardless um they obviously i love either but you know they're they're moving forward the commercial director and there's a lot of upside on the commercial side with the story so there could be some big stuff happening there um, their social media stuff has just got better. There were some go, goalkeepers wearing GoPros in training preseason. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. You know, it's not revolutionary, but it's definitely they're they're trying harder, and you can yeah. see that. And I think, um, and I know there's been some things that people aren't happy about. Um, you know, there's obviously something to do with flags. I don't fully comprehend, but some flags being taken down. And I know the do we lose the program or not is very controversial. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we don't have a programme. There's no history of it in America. And I looked at it and the money's upside down on it. Like, you don't make money on these things. Oh, right, so, okay. you know, I sort of see what, what they're trying to do with that. Yeah. Um, but th- I would like to ask you about the podcast thing. Cause, yeah, go on, man. You know, some, we have an unofficial podcast that fans okay. set up. And at one point, I was thinking about doing an official podcast. And part of the reason I didn't is... It didn't seem fair on the fans okay. who have the podcast. So obviously there are two that I know of, um, Wimbledon podcasts run by fans. How do you feel about there being an official club one? And are you worried that you know they're going to not give you access to people for interviews and all that sort of stuff, so they can prioritise themselves? I mean, firstly, there are obviously there there are. I think there's about four different Wimbledon yeah. ones. There are. Um, same old Wombles, obviously nine years when we had a dream. And then I think there's another SW19 one, I think. Personally, I think there's room for everybody. I think every it, people will listen if they want to listen. If people don't listen, they don't want to listen. I think from a, from a club perspective, I think it's great that they want to, they want to engage with 
with the fans on a, on a particular level. I haven't listened to it, so I am planning to listen to it this week. I guess the challenge for me is I find that podcasts are a great place for fans to vent and fans to talk and fans yeah. to give opinion. I guess from the club perspective, it's not going to be very easy to put across what I would call an honest opinion or a or a no-holds-barred. We're very, very happy here, just to say how it is. We're almost, as you can see here, two blokes, cup of coffee, having a chat, as if we were in a pub, in a coffee shop, or walking around the park. That's just, this is just honest, unscripted. We're just going to talk about football. I guess, from a, from a fan's perspective, from a podcast, I guess it's just that concern of it becoming more, a, I don't want to be too bold, but something like a propaganda tool, or they're trying to put a, a bigger message across, and they use different, different conversations and I guess for me until I've heard it I don't know but I don't necessarily see the point of it it's every fortnight so unless I I will listen to it and I'll listen to the first handful but I guess for me if they're creating content every single day surely that content would be better just being trickled in on a daily basis rather than jamming it in for like an hour and a half or an hour on a, on a time. But I can't speak on behalf of the other podcasts. I think all the other podcasts are great. We all we all target maybe a different audience or we all do things in a different way. And I guess for me, the a podcast is a great place to just talk frankly and just to be blunt and be honest and just say, this is how I'm feeling and this is what we try to do. Um, so I, th I personally don't think there's room for everybody. And I know people listen to it and really enjoyed it. And I think as long as it, everyone's respectful and Frankly, the club are putting across, putting the right information on the pod. I think that's great, and if it, I, I guess it, I guess it will depend on your your fans and, and what their what their objective is. But our objective is to be very, very bold, honest, blunt, direct with how we address the club and how we talk about it. And it is quite surprising the number of times we'll bring something up on here and a week later the club have done something because we've discussed it. It's almost kind of, I think it's quite useful. I think it's almost uh, having a fly in the room. I think the club yeah. use us as a fly in the room and I think it's the right way to go. So I think there's definitely pros of both, but I don't, I don't feel intimidated about anyone wanting to put anything out about AFC women. As far as I'm concerned, the more... The more people want to listen, the better it's going to be. If it means that somebody like yourself or somebody else can connect to the club in a way that they feel comfortable with or happy with, you know, we're on Spotify and other other different places where you can get your get your um, your podcast. If they're at a different place and someone can access it, great. But I, I I'll listen to it, but I'm not. Yeah, it, it won't affect the way that me and Lee do things. We'll do our debrief on a Sunday, which is more of a reflective. And we'll do this one coming up. But um, no, it's a great question. Well, I know you've got to run off and do wonderful things. The time difference is what? Eight, is it eight hours? It is eight hours. Okay. Well, Dan, thank you ever so much for coming on. Obviously, Orange County are officially the One Was Had a Dream podcast favourite American team. So congratulations. Um, stick, us, stick us on the list. Um, and we wish you a great bit of season. Do us a favour, maybe come on the end of the year, or when you come over, we'll have, we'll have a drink. Lee will tell you I don't buy a pint. I obviously will. Um, I'll, I'll buy you one at least. And obviously we can talk about grammar school in uh, in the London Borough of Sutton. I'm sure we've got loads to talk about. No, indeed. No, look, great. I mean, thanks very much for having me on. It's, uh, I love nothing more than talking about the club that I love with people who also, because I, I, I miss that chance to talk about Wimbledon because over here people don't know who they are. And even if they do, they don't care as much. Um, so it is, is, there's not that many Wimbledon fans that you come across. So it's nice to be able to talk about a club and 
you know, I'm excited for the season from afar, but we'll be, we're coming over for Christmas, so we haven't worked out exactly, but I'll probably try and sneak in at least a couple of games. Oh, definitely. That. So we've got Sutton at home, Boxing Day. So that'll be a, yeah. that'll be a nice one. Yeah, and I used to, I used to referee locally and we used to have all our meetings for the Sutton Referees Association at Gander Green Lane. Oh, wow. Um, I've, I know that club well. And one, weirdly, one of the owners of Sutton United lives over here. And I oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, Sutton and my... I guess partly also in the old day, the sort of Efanakuku, um playing for both teams, all that sort of stuff. The Sutton United were our unofficial sort of... It, what Brentford have been doing with us, I think 100%, we did. 100%. 100%. Yeah, we were uh, like a little, little sort of, what was it? Not stepbrothers, but we were like like cousins, if you like. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting, obviously, you know, they're now the same. Well, last year they finished above us. So I think, uh, I think they'll be good this year. But thanks ever yeah. so much for your time. I know you've got to run off. You've been wonderful. Um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening for the One Was Had a Dream podcast. Lee will be back. God knows when he's back. Um, big, big thank you to our lovely sponsors, um, season masters who you want some windows doing they are you guys but all that leaves to me to say is come on you dons thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Wombles Had a Dream podcast follow us on Twitter at Wombles Dream and on Facebook at the Wombles Had a Dream get involved by the fans for the fans and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.